And in losing my hearing, I discovered my voice and I wanted to make it my vision to be able to empower as many others to find and share their voice. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Connect with Confidence podcast. And I'm excited and I am curious and I'm really looking forward to this conversation today with Lisa Evans. So Lisa, I met in Singapore a couple of years ago and we shared a beautiful video on or a series of videos on LinkedIn. And I love conversations with Lisa. So she is the business storytelling consultant. And I think she might have been known as the business, sorry, about the... I didn't tell you, I think we might make a bloopers reel. Um, so Lisa, I have also known Lisa as the storytelling midwife. So Lisa brings amazing stories to the world and she helps other people to share amazing stories. And she's written these beautiful books or curated them with other people's stories, stories from the heart. So you can imagine I love a conversation with Lisa. And I'm recently um, will soon be on Lisa's podcast. And so thank you, Lisa, for joining us. You're welcome, Kerry. It's great to be catching up with you again and chatting. Oh, so good. So when we were recording your podcast the other day, I said to Lyndon, there's all these questions I want to ask Lisa. I have to remember that this is her show. <laughs> so Lisa, come and talk to us because I would love <laughs> to um, sort of unpack this whole idea of stories because, you know, they're part of our everyday life. I think in some cultures, they've been even more significant. And it's something that's really emerged over the past few years in everyday conversation or conversation at business conferences and there's always you know a storytelling expert of some sort so can you share with us how you came to be doing what you're doing now yes well I've always been a storyteller having grown up in the generation where we didn't have a tv until dad bought a color tv home for the 1976 montreal olympics so showing yeah. my age there so i grew up on stories you know long car trips and having to entertain ourselves and i was an only child until my brother came along when i was nine so i used to spend a lot of time in my imagination and as a family we we told stories so i i had an early start with with storytelling plus i loved books as well i loved to read and then when I became a young student nurse, so I started my nurse training, I was about 17 and a half when I started nurse training. And back then it was, it was on the job, you know, we were thrown in at the deep end and we had nothing like counselling or social support. We just sort of got on with it. And if you had a bad day, you just sucked it up and, and got on with it. But one of the ways that we learned to cope pretty quickly was among our little group of, uh, of students and nurses, we would often share stories. And that was a way of getting through the tough stuff throughout the day, being able to process some of those really strong emotions because we didn't have the psychological support that people do now. And also as a young nurse, you know, you feel pretty unequipped when you are learning and sometimes there is nothing that you can do or not a lot that you can say to a patient perhaps who's terminal or, mm. you know, you just don't have the answers. So often it was a story that, that you would share because I believe that stories, you know, not only inspire and, and entertain and connect, but also stories can help us heal as well and feel we get, we get comfort from stories. 
Yes, and it, it is often those difficult times and unusual circumstances. And, you know, there's a number of nurses in my family. Uh, we've had paramedics live with us and, and spending a lot of time with veterans, World War II veterans and, and their stories. They just keep coming, but it does process and it connects. And, yeah, it's amazing to, um, to hear your background and, and how stories have been so much a part of your life. So what was it that, that led you to making storytelling your business? Yeah, so I spent over almost 25 years as a health professional, as a nurse and as a midwife, and I specialised early. So I became a neonatal intensive care midwife, and I loved that. It was really high-tech, demanding, you know, challenging area of nursing. It was through that specialty that I got recruited to come and work in Australia many, many years ago. And at the time, I thought that was my forever drop job, my my dream job. And then life took a drastic detour for me when I woke up one morning and most of my hearing had gone. So a virus destroyed my hearing nerves. And I was told at the time that nothing could be done. I had terrible tinnitus and dizziness. And I had this a tiny, tiny amount of residual sound on one side only. So that was the end of my career. Because it's a very high tech challenging area of nursing, it wasn't safe or practical for me to return to that job. So I had to reinvent myself and come up with a whole new career. And I, um, it was in learning to rehabilitate by using the amazing gift of a cochlear implant that I got through a research trial mm. with the amazing Professor uh, Rajan and his team mm. that I got interested in speaking. You know, if you can't hear properly, it impacts the way that you speak. So not only did I have to learn to hear again in a very, very different way, you know, laying down new neural pathways, the sound that you get from the cochlear implant, completely different to normal natural sound. And I then became interested in speaking. So I started to pursue public speaking. I wanted to get better at, at speaking and I needed to rebuild some confidence that I'd that I'd lost. And because my whole life, you know, changed significantly in that instance. And I, if I if I start to enjoy something or I take something up as a hobby, I, I jump right in and I immerse. So then I sought out the best coaches and speakers and mentors from around the world and began my journey in speaking, decided I wanted to be a, an inspirational speaker. That was the goal back then. And I felt a really strong calling, if you like, that I'd been given this ma- amazing gift of a cochlear implant and how could I share that gift. And in losing my hearing, I discovered my voice. And I wanted to make it my vision to be able to empower as many others to find and share their voice. So then I sort of reconnected with my childhood love of storytelling. And I joined all these different groups. Now, this was back when your Zoom wasn't a thing. It was a very primitive sort of Skype or even whatever came before Skype. And the groups that I found, because I wanted to find a local storytelling group and there wasn't anything that I wanted. So I started to look further afield and I connected with these groups of storytellers and they were in like India and Africa and the US and the UK, anywhere except Australia. So I was literally getting up at like two in the morning, three in the morning, four in the morning, and I'd be like half dressed and half pajamas. And I'd be telling stories on the internet. My family thought that I'd gone completely crazy. <laughs> and I'd, you know, get off these calls so excited and so invigorated, so energized. And I'd say, you know, where's my story tribe? 
uh, locally and there was nothing around. So that's when I decided five years ago, uh, recently, just past five years ago, I started my own story tribe called Stories from the Heart. And ever since then, I've been doing live storytelling shows, including Fringe and five star sold out uh, Fringe shows, as well as curated the the trilogy of of Stories from the Heart and uh, became a a certified speaker coach and started helping speakers and uh, professionals. And these days I'm, um, I'm doing mainly corporate storytelling, so helping business leaders to really make an impact by using compelling stories as part of their presentations so that they can really be memorable, they can hook people in, and they can learn to get their material across in other ways other than PowerPoint or other than data or numbers or figures. So they've got more tools in their their toolkit so so that they can be really, really good presenters. Oh, that's fantastic, Lisa. That's it's so amazing when you said that, you know, in losing your hearing, you found your voice. There's so many times where, and I guess, you know, you would know so many stories where people have lost something, maybe lost everything and found their path. Or um, you also said that there was nothing around. So you started your own. And I thought that's, that's a, a storyline that we hear often too like people start something because it wasn't available for them when they were going through it yeah that's the typical entrepreneur startup journey story I mean this wasn't a business this was a hobby when I went uh looking for these people and there's some of them I'm still connected with I I made friends and got involved in all sorts of worldwide storytelling groups of of different varieties and I've been to various conferences and yeah, it's wonderful that connecting online. Yeah, I love it. And so when you say it started as a hobby, this is what you love doing. When you think about your business storytelling clients, are there businesses that you've engaged with that also started as a hobby or just a passion and interest that then became a beautiful business? I work mainly these days with larger with larger corporates who want to include storytelling as part of their sort of leadership communication strategy. Yeah. But yeah, I've definitely helped. I've been a TEDx speaker coach for six years. I've definitely helped entrepreneurs and startups and and businesses to really find find and define and deliver their stories. I'm also a business coach, as you are, Mm -hmm. Kerry. So sometimes, you know, as part of that working out, okay, let's get clear on who we serve, what we do, what we stand for, our values. Now, our signature story comes out from that. So when I work with somebody on their stories, we normally create a suite of stories, you know, minimum five or six stories. But we always start off with the signature story, which is really the essence of you as a as a person and allows people to get to know you. So this signature story may also show up as part of your copywriting on your about me page or it could be your little intro when you do a, a presentation and that's just one of the suite of of stories that I that I teach yeah. yeah so I've worked with companies big and small leaders entrepreneurs you know individuals as well as professional speakers yeah that's beautiful and so do you what do you find that people just forget to share that people want to hear do you find that people just forget to share important elements of their story that 
Yeah, I think that people do one of two things. They either make assumptions that, well, they, they make a couple of assumptions. They make the assumption that other people are not interested in yeah. their story because they've got an ordinary life. Yeah. And I believe that the best stories are ordinary stories told by ordinary people because then we're able to relate to to that uh, thing. And they also make the assumption that people know more about them than they do. So they might miss out some really important elements. Yeah. Uh, or the other thing they do at the opposite end of the spectrum is they go into too much detail. So you've got to get that balance between giving people enough information that they've got the picture, but not overloading them with any with too much information or unnecessary bits and pieces. So initially when you're crafting you know, part of the story process is you want to get it all out and then you want to go back and you want to, you know, delete and and redefine it and and uh, craft it so that it's a tight story. You know, I am um, I teach that great stories are around three minutes, no more than three minutes. Uh, and you should also be able to have like a 90 second version and then you can beef it up. So you can beef it up if you want to perhaps use it as part of a, a, a keynote. And then you might have you know, several different stories or you might have one story that you layer throughout your presentation and you will um, sort of finish it up at, at the end. So that's another, we're moving into techniques now. I'll finish off asking, answering your, your question. Uh, what do people miss out? Um, they sometimes miss out on the emotions that they felt. And so the, the key to effective storytelling is uncovering emotion because there are uh, there are only so many emotions that that humans have and and these emotions go across cultures you know wherever you're from you've felt fear in your life you've felt courageous you've felt love you've felt joy you've felt sad so they are universal emotions and that's how we make our stories relatable so only I have my story and only I can share it in the way that I can because it's my signature story but if we you know peel back the layers of the the onion and we go right what's in the core of that story what's the core emotion the core emotion let's say it's um resilience then you've experienced resilience as well so that's kind of the common connection so identifying the emotion and also uh, adding sensory language mm. so we want to know if you want to paint a picture and mm. a good storyteller will invite you in so you're feeling like you are there with them on the journey so you can just add really tiny little bits of, of information. You know, what did you see? What did you hear? Were there any particular sights or sounds? You know, it was a cold, damp, foggy morning. It was only four degrees and, yeah, there was some frost on the car or something like that. Yeah. And you know, it gives people a picture rather than, you know, one morning. I got in the car and I, yeah, so well, what sort of morning was it? You know? And if you're talking about other people, some people say, oh, my mom or my daughter or my dog, like give them names, give them, give them a name. I and mean, if you don't want, if you want to de-identify, that's okay. But, you know, my daughter, Jane, or my, my, my dog, Jerry, uh, <laughs> and, and a few little characteristics about them. So if you're saying something about, you know, a, a neighbour and they end up being the antagonist in the story, you know, you might introduce them as the, you know, the grumpy neighbour that's always peering out the door and never says hello or something like that. And then we get a picture of that person. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And as you know, I'm writing a book at the moment. Well, just about finished but 
in sharing some pieces with Lyndon, he said, but how did you feel when you were like rushing along that German train station? And what was it like to look around and see that? And, and like you said, it doesn't take much to just add in the emotion or a little description of what that was. Yeah. And yeah. Having, having a buddy to prompt that from you is really good because what we think is important to include might not be. And then there may be some like critical detail that we've uh, missed out. There's an improv technique that uh, I use sometimes when um, working on a story and we do it in a pair and that um, allows you to really focus on what elements need to go in the story. Maybe I'll make a little video about it and put it in, send you the link or something. Yeah, that would be fantastic. You know, unless you want to demonstrate now. <laughs> I can do. Yeah, yeah, I can do. So I'll have to describe it because um, okay. some people may be listening and some people may have the visual. So with a partner, you are sharing a short story. Let's say you're sharing a three-minute story and you just run through that story uh, once and one person's the speaker, one pe person is the listener. And uh, you go through it once. And then the second time you go through it, the listener has three hand signals that they, uh, so they don't say anything during the story, but um, they've got these three hand signals. So the first hand signal is the wrap it up signal. Yeah. Yeah. Wrap it up. So you've heard enough of that. It's time to move on. So if, if they do the wrap up signal, you then you then will stop what you're saying and you move into the next the next thing. Then there might be a part of the story where you've skimmed over a bit and the listener's going, whoa, hang on, what, what happened there? I want to know like, what, where did you go when you got off the, the train? So then they would do this, which is like an expand, you know, they'd make their hands wider, which gives you the storyteller the indication that, oh, they want to know more. Like let's just tell them a little bit more about that. So we've got advanced um, expand and advance, move on. Yep. And then the, um, the, the final one is when somebody is not expressing their emotions or you want to know more about how they felt, you bring your hands up to your heart. Yeah. And when you bring your hands up to your heart, that's the cue for the teller to go, and I felt like really angry about that. And you know what? I was so mad. And it's just gold, Kerry, because you get stuff out of people on the, in the moment that they haven't rehearsed. It's totally spontaneous and it's just beautiful. And, and then that way, at the end of the story, you know, they've got more of an idea of what people really want to hear because, you know, we know our stories and we assume that, you know, oh, they don't want to know that or that's not interesting. So that's a good little exercise to, to do. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah, <laughs> as, as you say, we might think, oh, that's not very interesting. I think also we might we might switch off to sharing something because it's actually vulnerable. So we might say, oh, they don't want to be, they don't want to know about that. But it's actually that it might take a little more courage for us to share that. Do you find that people sometimes need to yet be brave to share the most important or compelling part of the story? Definitely. But I'm also a firm believer that a story needs to be ripe and ready to be told. So yeah. vulnerability is absolutely never oversharing. And I do find that people tend to, can, can quickly move from vulnerability to oversharing. So we need to be in a place 
where we have grown and learned and healed through our story. Let's say it's a difficult story in order to be able to share that. Yeah. And we'll know, we'll know when, when that is. You know, in my second book, which is called Tales of Courage, I share the story of finding my biological father for the first time at age 40. So obviously, you know, I'd stuck with that story for however many years, yeah. but I knew when the time was ready to tell that. Yeah. And the reason why I decided to share that story was the fact that I made the assumption, as we do, that, you know, because he left our lives when I was little, that he would have moved on, got remarried, had kids, had a life. So, I, you know, I had that picture of uh, me reaching out and him going, oh, no, I've got this new life. The complete opposite was true. My biological father had never remarried. And the first letter I got back to him, he said, you know, how can I say this without tearing up? He said, you know what? There's not a day that's gone past when I haven't remembered you. Every birthday, every Christmas, you know, and I've made the assumption I've missed out on all those years. There's always two sides to the story. Mum had fed me one part of the story, you know, true, her, her story. You've got to own your own, your own truth. And uh, anyway, I, I got reconnected with him. But going back to vulnerability, I had to be in a place where I was ready to share that story. Yeah. I've made you cry, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and also, we, you know, we never know when we're going to trigger others in the audience. Yeah. And, and it's a real skill. You know, a skilled storyteller and speaker is very intuitive. And I believe I got my intuition from being a midwife for, for many, many yeah. years. Nurses have got this inbuilt intuition. Yeah. And, and when I'm telling a story in front of a live audience, that's why I love it when the lights are on, you know, it's dark, it's hard, is I know when to give more and when to pull back. Yes. So a story is never the same any two times because I will either, you know, it's, it's almost like um, I use the analogy of a great storyteller is like a conductor on the stage. So, you know, you've got the, the audience and you know when to, you know, bring it up and you know when, okay, that's enough, we'll kind of dial that back. And you need to be able to be in, be in complete control of your emotions, which is the opposite of, you know, being authentic, I think, to, to some people. But but I believe that, you know, you, you need to be able to share authentically and be real and be vulnerable. But definitely there's a place and there's a time. And there's also a reason for that. Um, yeah, in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can unpack this a little more because there's, you know, not triggering the audience and, you know, and being in control of our emotions. And, and so if we just think about the conversation that we just had, that story that you shared, you know, you got a little choked up. I did too. I'm like, oh, there's a tear. I think I'll pick up a tissue. But I wouldn't call it being triggered, like I'm being moved. And so yeah. I guess there's a, a fine line, you know, and, and you allowed your emotions to, to show also rather than, you know, just bravely, you know, or maybe not. Bravely, yeah. Shutting yeah. It down, you know, because we have a tendency to shut down when we go, oh, I'm feeling something. Yeah. yeah, but I, you know, but I, I, I could have easily prevented that by saying, you know, and I reached out and I made this assumption and all the, all the time, you know, dad was really pleased to mm. reconnect with me. Mm. But in that moment, I chose the, the, to, to share a little bit deeper with you because yeah. I felt 
safe. You know, it's only you and me here, yeah. Kerry, and all your listeners and all your <laughs> But, you know, it's beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) But it's a judgment call. You know, you don't, uh, um, oh, you know, today I'm going to get up on stage and I'm going to cry because it's going to make everybody, you know, warm to me. It's it's not, that's not how it is. It's an in the moment thing. It's intuitive. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's beautiful. I appreciate you sharing that because I know the things that you've shared today, I'm like, oh, yeah, I relate to that. I just want to put my hand up all the time. Mm. You know, thinking, well, my story is just ordinary. And uh, so I want to ask, what do we do when we feel that our stories are ordinary? We're just ordinary people. And, uh, you know, and I think that's been good to discuss, you know, about sharing Mm. emotions because I can just forget. I I don't think to share how I actually felt about something. So back to the ordinary piece. What do we do if we feel Mm. our stories or our life is ordinary? Well, we've all got ordinary lives. You know, we've all got an ordinary side to our lives and we're not the shiny Instagram, Facebook sort of people in reality. And one of my uh, storytelling coaches is um, Craig Valentine, who's the 1999 world champion of uh, public speaking. And Craig Valentine has a a saying, he says that you never want to come across as uh, special. You want to come across as, as similar. Yeah. So, you know, if we put ourselves up on a pedestal as the speaker at the front of the room, you know, as professional speakers, we've got an amazing amount of privilege. Mm. If we put ourselves up on a pedestal, people are not going to be able to relate to us. Yeah. Another example would be uh, when I am, you know, obviously there's different stories for different scenarios and different clients and different different talks. But if I'm teaching, so another thing that I do is I I teach people uh, how to communicate with influence and, and public speaking training. So if I'm doing a workshop on public speaking and I know that I've got brand new people in the audience who some of them are likely to be terrified then my opening story will be the story of the very first time that I had to get up in front of a room full of parents to be in the antenatal class when the head midwife had been called off to a delivery and me as the student midwife was literally left holding the baby. (laughs) And I was that terrified that my knees were knocking and my teeth were trembling and I was shaking that badly. This was the uh, class all about the birthing process. You know, this was way before the internet and Google and, you know, you used to go along to classes and I literally dropped the baby. Now, luckily the baby was a rag doll. It had one of those knitted placentas. It was this (laughs) rag doll and the baby's like swinging from this placenta. And, you know, it's a fun story. It is a, I guess a moment, you know, so it was a huge monumental stuff up on my part. But why do I tell that story? Because if I got up in front of people and I told them a, a story that's at the level of a professional speaker, then they'll be thinking, well, we're never going to be like you. Uh, this story demonstrates that I was where they are now. Yes. I get what it's like to be terrified. You know, I get what it's like to all of a sudden be thrown in front of an audience and not wanting to be there. I get what it feels like to absolutely mess up and want to dig a hole and bury yourself and never do it again. So it's that relatability piece. But, you know, I wouldn't share that particular story if I'm in front of a group of CEOs doing a corporate storytelling session. So it's about picking your stories as well. So you get the right story for the right occasion, told at the right time in the right way. There's lots of rights to it. Yeah. 
and it's part art and part science. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of practice, I guess, just having a go. Yeah, yeah. Sharing our stories. And, yeah, I think this, this episode is worth hitting replay and uh, taking notes. <laughs> if, <laughs> if we're listening as we're driving or walking, uh, there's so many gems that you've shared here, Lisa. And I think something that comes up for me is that comparison. People look at whoever's telling the story and thinking that they're more interesting or you know famous or whatever it is you know if you, you mentioned instagram you might look at everybody else's life and think it's just more interesting but we all have ordinary lives i like how you how you said that we have a lot of very ordinary moments and especially in the past year we've um we've done more ordinary time than anything else haven't we <laughs> We have, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And the other thing that you've highlighted a few times is the assumptions that we make. So spending time with people, I can see the value of spending time with people, uh, maybe playing that um, that storytelling game that you shared, the, the improv, getting feedback from people on our stories because stories do really serve the world, don't they, in so many ways. Mm, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Tell us about... Uh, tell us a story before we wrap up you've told so many great stories today (laughs) I would love to you know leave us with another story of maybe connection or confidence building or community what comes to mind in your stories in your heart Lisa I've got so many stories about uh, confidence what shall I tell you should tell you about the little girl dancing on the stage always wanted to be a ballerina no I'm going to tell you the story about my pay it forward story so it was well kindness day and my first book of the trilogy which is the stories from the heart which is a collection of short stories that were told on my stage the book had come out And I decided that I was going to do the pay it forward thing where you um, stick a page in the front of the book and you um, give it to somebody and then they write their name in it and their email and then they pass it around. So, you know, the book gets passed around and around and hopefully, you know, goes on this big, long journey. And I was at the airport and I'm not a do talk to stranger sort of person, even though I love the state, I'm an extreme introvert and I don't do small talk and, you know, airports and I just want to kind of get on with it. So this was a big deal for me. So I um, had my book and I sort of looked around the lounge and I saw this lady, her name was Yvonne, and I went up to her and I said, excuse me, it's uh, World Kindness Day and I, I wonder if you, are you a reader? And she said, yes, said, would you like a copy of my book? And she, her face, just she was like, oh, yes, I would love a copy of your book. And I'm from England. I'm going to see my sister. And, you know, so then we had a chat about what she was doing at the airport and, and where she was going on our holiday. And, uh, yeah, we snapped a photo. And uh, then hopefully she passed the book on to somebody else and other people were giving books to uh, air flight attendants and people. So we were trying to get the books as far as, as possible on that uh, journey. And then I would, you know, give books away randomly at coffee shops and sort of leave them in, in places for, for people to read because, you know, stories are, are so precious that if you can share them around, then uh, I think the world's a better place. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> And I love that, you know, you were able to start that conversation with it's World Kindness Day. And I also, you know, hear people going, oh, but what do I do when it's not World Kindness Day? But we can start a conversation with anything like that, even 
I've been inspired by World Kindness Day or I've heard a lot about kindness and I've been thinking I want to do more. Can I just give you this gift? And then people realise there's no strings attached. It's like because you've been inspired by something. And Yeah. Uh, yeah. But there's that awkward moment. There's that very fleeting yeah. awkward moment. So when I, yeah. you know, walked up to her and got a book out of my bag, you know, I could see her recoil. Yeah. And I said, oh, I hope you don't mind that I've, you know, just straight away there's that, uh, what are you selling, you know, yeah. who are you from, what, what I want to do. And, you know, they listen and then so it's that first 20 seconds, you're almost like holding your breath so yeah. that you can quickly get that sentence out so that they can relax knowing that you're not weird <laughs> <laughs> and you actually want to give them something. <laughs> yeah, seeing someone approach you and putting their hand in their bag and pulling something out could be quite terrifying. <laughs> but uh, with your friendly face and that, that start, it's day. Uh, how could you resist? That's beautiful. There are so many beautiful ways of making a difference in the world. And thank you for being a difference maker, Lisa. Thank you for sharing your stories. You've given us so much to think about today. And now I want to do a final review of the book and just check if my stories are interesting. Lyndon's <laughs> uh-huh. been looking at it too, and a fantastic um, storytelling editor, um, Val Clark. She's actually a novelist but she's also working on my book with me which is beautiful so hopefully that sounds absolutely fabulous can't wait to read it and I'm happy if anybody wants a free uh, story strategy call um, you put the link to that in the show notes Kerry where people can just book a time in my calendar and uh, I will help you tweak or refine or find your story thank you I love it I don't know how to sign off. I just think that was just such a beautiful conversation, Lisa. (laughs) So thank you, my friends, for listening. Thank you, Lisa, for being here with us. So my friends, I think you get that it was hard to finish that episode. It's just always wonderful to talk to Lisa. And wow, she absolutely shared some gold in that conversation. So please check out the links in the episode notes and connect with Lisa. I think she can really help you craft a compelling story to stand out, uh, to share your message with the world. And I know I'll be spending more time talking to Lisa soon also. As I mentioned, we have a new book coming out soon and it is called How to Talk to Strangers to Decrease Anxiety, to Build Confidence and Make a Bigger Difference in the World. Now, I am so excited about this. I'm so, I have been so challenged and so compelled and so inspired. And there's been such an interesting emotional journey with this book, as with all of my books, I think. They always feel like the most challenging and the most worthwhile. It's like the world needs this message. And I'm so thrilled to be sharing the stories of many of my friends from different countries around the world, so many different experiences and all with a theme of either reducing anxiety, so a time when somebody's reduced their anxiety or they've been able to help somebody else. Sometimes it's little moments where you're lost in a new city and other times it's making life-altering decisions. Do I move my family to the other side of the world? What's that going to be like? And so everyday moments in life where we interact with a stranger who can have a really powerful impact and uh, it's beautiful to see that and you know building confidence sometimes we've connected with somebody and it's boosted our confidence to take action on something or in who we are which are beautiful moments again so they are beautiful stories and then there's the stories of you know the ripple effect how we make a bigger difference in the world so 
that book will be available in the next few weeks. We are doing the final touches in layout at the moment. And uh, if you head to kerryphipps.com, you'll be able to pre-order, get an early bird copy, signed copy, and we have all kinds of surprises coming up. So stay connected on the socials, on uh, kerryphipps.com. And of course, anywhere that you are online, please come find me. And let's go make a bigger difference in the world just by doing what we do with an attitude of kindness. Have a great week, guys. Bye.